Today on Rooted Daily, we debunk four lies we're told about the Bible. Welcome to Rooted Daily, the podcast where in 10 minutes or less each day, we root you in the Bible so you can grow with God. I'm Brandon Levy, and today we're going to debunk some myths that hold us back from growing the kind of deep roots that we need in this book. You know, the Bible, it has incredible power. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul tells us that to stand against the devil's schemes, this book is the only weapon that will get the job done. You know, Paul writes, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You know, between these leather covers, there is more than just pages and words. There is a sword that can deal a fatal blow to the ruler of this age. It's like a, an ancient atomic bomb. It's so powerful that its enemies, the enemies of those who wield it, cannot ignore the weapon. You know, when a nation manufactures an atom bomb, suddenly the playing field has to shift, right? The calculus, it cannot remain the same for both sides. You know, the tough talk of war when there's only conventional arms at risk, that has to switch to negotiation. And that's the power that we see the word of God has had throughout history. From the beginning, Satan has not been able to ignore what God has to say or, or reject the power of his word. Instead, he's had to try to undercut it, to manipulate it, to, to blur what it means. Genesis 3 starts out saying that the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals. And he said, not that God's word is non-existent or, or that it should be altogether ignored, but that God didn't really say what we think he said. You know, Satan is trying to spread disinformation about God's word because he recognizes the incredible power it has. To use the Bible like the weapon it is, we have to cut through the lies of the world of Satan and see the truth. So what are these myths? Let's talk about a few of them today. Myth number one, I can't really read all of the Bible because God made it too boring. You know, so you open the Bible to Deuteronomy and you read five chapters of the law of Moses and you're wondering to yourself, why do I need to know why the Israelites couldn't eat a camel or any animal in the water without fins and scales? Or maybe you started at Matthew with his genealogy there and you're wondering why it matters who begat who. And sure, I'll admit that there are some parts of God's word that require a little more oomph to get through. And that doesn't make those parts unimportant, surely. They, they just might take a, a, a little more uh, effort for us to read. But that's certainly not all or even the majority of this book of books. There is a literary style here for every taste. It has biographies of some of the greatest men and women who have ever lived. It has adventure stories like Jonah and romances like Ruth and history and stories of war and peace and poetry and prophecy and advice. And I think I could even point out some comedy. 
maybe a, a reading plan that, that starts it in, in Leviticus and goes through Deuteronomy in a week, that isn't right for you. But give it a chance and you'll find something that you won't be able to stop reading. You know, rotate between those parts and some of the others, a chapter of the Old Testament and a chapter of the New A Day, or a chapter of poetry and a chapter of history, whatever works for you, and you'll be well on your way. More important, though, in how enjoyable we find the language of the Bible, we know that this book contains the most exciting news we could ever hear. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Understanding that as we read it, we'll be able to recognize this book isn't boring and we can read it. Myth number two, there is simply not enough time in the day to read the Bible because God made it too big. At least that's what Satan wants us to think. And the Bible, truly, it's no small book. It contains about thousands of years off and on of history, a collection of some of the greatest literature we've access to, and a comprehensive worldview for how we should live our lives. Now, all of that is packed into a thousand pages. It is a, a dense, long book. That's true. But the reason why this myth is, is so powerful is because it's exploiting our internal sense of legalism. You know, somewhere we are thinking to ourselves that God wants us to meet some sort of, of quota or, or read everything by the end of the week. You know, the problem, though, is that God's never told us that. He tells us that we should rely on his word. Psalm 1 says that we should delight in the law of the Lord. You know, the Bible is our only authority, our only solid foundation, and how we can have eternal life. But nowhere are we told that there is a mandated number of words to read of that word per day? The Bible is large, but that's okay. We can take our time reading it. We can grow deep roots in the word of God. And it's sometimes less about reading more or, or knowing more and more about reading at a pace where we can take what God is telling us and let it transform our lives. So the Bible, it is not too long to read. Myth number three, the Bible is not sufficient because God made it too small. And so the myth goes that the Bible is too big, so we shouldn't take the time to read it. But they'll say it's also too small, so we need to add to it. That's the legacy of the Pharisees that endures today. You know, Mark records Jesus in Mark chapter 7 saying, The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled that is, unwashed. And the Pharisees and all the Jews, they do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. And so the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? And Jesus replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. 
And he continued, you have a fine way of settling, setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. You know, the Pharisees, they told the world that the word of God was simply too short. It couldn't possibly contain everything that God's people needed to know. And therefore, they argued it was up to them to make up additional requirements based on their own rules and traditions. And then they lorded those laws over others. That argument, it still thrives today with people telling us that we need something more than the Bible to be a good person. And Jesus' retort, it remains true. When we rely on human rules, we may honor him with our lips, but our heart is far from him. The truth is, this book is sufficient. And within just a thousand pages, he gives us a comprehensive overview that can guide our lives if we let it. Myth number four, the Bible is not relevant because God made it too old. You know, how can something, they ask, written thousands of years ago make any sense today? You know, the Bible was written before the internet. That transformed communication, even before the printing press that transformed it in a different way. It was written before cars transformed transportation. It was written under the tyrannical autocracy of the Roman Empire, before modern republicanism transformed our relationship with authority figures in the state and it became the status quo for most of the world. How can a book like that, written in such a different culture, in different time, how can that be anything more than ancient literature today, Satan whispers in our ear? You know, it's a compelling argument that, that something that old can't still offer an entirely relevant worldview. And I might believe it if we were talking about any other document. All other pieces of writing age because they're written by authors stuck in a specific time and a specific place. All they could do is write about what they knew when they knew it. And that makes the Bible so extraordinary. Its origin, it's not in, by an author stuck in time and place, but in an omnipresent and eternal God. Second Peter 1.20 tells us that God wrote this book, that the great I am once and for all delivered truth to the saints. And the Bible will always be relevant because God, who transcends all time and all circumstances, he gave us his eternal truth. And no matter the time or place that we're reading it in, it contains the truth that we need to be set free. Jesus said in Revelation 22, 18, I warn everyone who hears the word of the prophecy of the scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in the scroll. And if anyone takes words away from the scroll of prophecy, God will take away from them that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in the scroll. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. And John adds, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. You know, Satan and those working with him they're, they will always try to take away from the prophetic word of God, whether that's in Revelation or the rest of the gospel. They'll tell us that it's too boring, that it's too big, that it's too small, that it's too old to be our only foundation. It's a myth, though. God's word is sufficient, and we don't need to add or subtract from it to prepare for the one it tells us is coming soon. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That'll do it for this episode of Rooted Daily, and I'm looking forward to sitting down and talking with you next time.
Hey there, thank you for listening through this episode of Rooted Daily. We think it's so important that you grow with Christ continually using the Word of God as your only foundation. That's why we release these episodes every weekday so that you can root yourself daily in the Bible. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app so you don't miss us. And if you think a friend would benefit from hearing this good news, hit the share button. Most importantly, if you're ready now to take the next step, repent, be baptized, and hand over your life to Jesus, shoot me an email to brandon at rooteddaily.com right now.